0: Because John is, he takes, it's like two, two narratives going on at one time. He, from from chap, verse 15 to the end of chapter 18, he is going to talk about the trial of Jesus and he's going to talk about Peter's denial. And he's going to swap back and forth. Like he's going to, Peter's going to deny Jesus once and then he'll go and he'll show the you know, Annas questioning Jesus and then he'll show Peter outside uh, denying Jesus two more times and then he'll show Jesus again. So what I want to do is I'm going to split it up and we're going to take them one at a time. I want to show you the four different kinds of people that we see here. Uh, I was going to do something different, but this just kind of stuck out to me. And I'm going to get you all to talk this time sit, rather than just sit here and listen to me lecture. Um, the, first, the first person we see... And we're going to kind of identify with one of these people. Hopefully it's the right one. But we want to... You can see, I see pieces of myself in all of them. So uh, it's going to be easy for us to kind of relate to them. The first one that we see is Peter. Uh, Peter is Peter is unprepared. He's an unprepared believer. Um, he's, he just wasn't ready. It says, let's look in the... <laughs> I'm going to read verse 15 through 18 first. Simon Peter followed Jesus. They're taking Jesus away to his trial. And so did another disciple. That's going to be John. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the place of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known to the high priest, and spoke to her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art thou not one, art thou also, I need to get somebody else to read. Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire, for it was cold. They warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So what you see here, and then we're going to see him again in verse 25. In those verses we just read, Peter standing outside the door. The the courtyard was where all these people were gathered, the courtyard of the the high priest's house. And and all these people were gathered. And Peter couldn't get in because he didn't know the right people. But John got in. And then John came back and talked to the doorkeeper, which was a little slave girl. And she let Peter in. And it's like Peter, as he was passing through the door, the way that she phrased the question was like it's not like accusing him of being a disciple but just asking him well, well you're not one of his too are you it's almost like she knew that John was one i mean i'm making a little, some assumptions here but from the way that the text reads it's almost like she knew that John was one and she's asking him you're not one too are you and peter like as he's walking by this little slave girl he was she's was like no, i'm not he denied him. He, he denied Jesus right then when it really wouldn't have cost him anything to say, yeah, I am. I mean, he might have had some trouble, but it probably wouldn't have cost him much. Um, the next two denials are going to be more uh, forceful. They're going to say... They're going to be more accusing. You. You're one of his. I saw you out there. You know, and he's going to say, no, 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 no. The next two are in 25 and 26. Let me read them two verses. Uh, verse 25 says, And Simon Peter stood and warned himself, and they therefore unto him, Art not thou one of his disciples? He denied it. He said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose, Peter, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied him again, and immediately the cock crew. The cock crew? Crow. Crow. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. So, anyway, I was thinking, what do you think? Why did Peter. You think he was just afraid of getting arrested like Jesus? That was why. I mean, I'm sure he was. But do you think that's all that caused him? Why do you think he denied Jesus the way he did? I mean, I. I guarantee you he was probably afraid. He was probably afraid that if they found out that he was one, they would take him too. But this is the same guy who 15 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago, I bet it was less than an hour because I don't know how long ago, but it, earlier that evening had drawn a sword ready to fight a whole crowd of Romans and temple officers. Don't you think he had like a moment of doubt or whatever because... Know that all that Jesus the Savior was going to come, from our homes away and that when He was taken, and yeah, I didn't think of that. He probably, <coughs> that he, he probably maybe was. This wasn't who we thought we were following. Yeah, he probably, you know, was ready to fight to the death for a military Messiah. <laughs> I think maybe the escalation around him escalated every time he denied. Uh uh-huh. You know, the people were louder; they were more. It seemed to be more powerful words um, from the Bible. Yes. Yeah. From to. I think he was unsure of. Okay, this is getting really bad. What am I going to do? Yeah. You know. And once he did it the first time, he couldn't undo it. Yeah. Now that it was getting you know, worse. Maybe his adrenaline was just taken over. And he was definitely. There's a lot of similarities in the in the language that's. Like, for one, for one thing, the last last week we read how Judas stood with Jesus' enemies. Well, here you see it's the same, exact same construction says Peter stood with those around the fire that were talking about Jesus. And Jesus said twice, he said, they said, you know, we're here for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am, using God's name. You know, I am, I am. And it caused the soldiers to fall back. And then he said it again, I am. And then here you got Peter twice saying, I am not. You say, are you Are you one of them? I am not. I am not. You know, so there's a lot of similarities between what happened in the garden and what's happening here. But in the other Gospels, and this is just me talking, so this may not... I mean, this is what I think. So it could be right. It could be not. But I, I wouldn't tell you if I thought it was wrong. So you'll have to prove it to me. Anyway, uh, in the other Gospels, there's a lot mentioned that's not mentioned here. Like... Uh, in the other Gospels, we see Jesus in the garden praying, If it be thy will, take this cup from me. In the other Gospels, we see the disciples are supposed to be praying and they fall asleep. And, you know, you see all these things going on that John just expects that you have, you already know. Uh, come on, there's chairs over here. Uh, that you already know. So, the thing that I'm thinking is Peter was the first thing he did was he. he uh, He thought that he was going to be able to follow Jesus in his own power, right? You remember at the Last Supper when he said... Even if all these guys here deny you and leave you, I'm not going to. And Jesus questioned his strength. He, he thought he was going to follow in his own strength. And then in the garden, Jesus specifically told him, he said, him and two other disciples, he said, remain here. He said, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And what they do? They went to sleep. Yeah, they went to sleep. And he came back again. He said, can't you... Can't you even pray for an hour? <coughs> no. The flesh is willing, he said. But the, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. What they do? They went back to sleep. Right? And so... The whole time it seems like Jesus was warning Peter. Look, you have got to pray. You have got to seek God's strength. You have got to... And the one guy that probably didn't need to pray as much as the rest of them was Jesus. He was the one guy who prayed more than all of them. He was the one who was calling out to God all night long, praying all night long. These guys were asleep. And so when Peter... Woke up, you know. Here come these Romans and these temple officers, and so he's ready to fight all his deal. But he hadn't. He hadn't. He was still doing things in his own power. He was still following after Jesus in his own strength. And when it came time to. Not be, not be a military hero. Not be a, a, a one who leads a rebellion against, you know, and have the glory of war and the glory of... But when it came time to say, I'm one and go to your death, he didn't have the strength to do that. The same guy who pulled the sword and was ready to fight these guys that were going to take Jesus was the guy who succumbed to a little slave girl who said, aren't you one of those? That shows the power of the was powerful after the death of Jesus. Right. After he received the he Spirit, received. He, uh, was, you know, he preached he in was front strong. of all Jerusalem. He got a horrible death for Jesus. Definitely. So that's Peter. He is hes unprepared. And a lot of times we find ourselves unprepared. I, that's what I was talking about earlier in the sermon was we try to live after our own power. We try to live after our own strength. We try to follow Jesus and serve Him without the fellowship of the brethren, without the communing with Him in prayer and, and, and seeking after Him and His Word. And We we try we think that that's, that's just little rules and things that we're supposed to be keeping, and we do it in the good. But the reality is that's the food that keeps us going. That's the strength where we draw strength from. And if you forsake that in any way, if you forsake that channel of living communication that you have with God, uh, you're going to find yourself without joy, you're going to find yourself without power, without strength, you're going to fail, you're going to find yourself being more irritable, more angry, more, you know, susceptible to temptation, and you're going to find all those things start happening just because you're not feeding off of the strength of God. Does that make sense? Yeah, with me? Okay. We won't go through all that again. The next people we got is the Jewish leaders. These guys wanted their religion intact, but without Jesus. Okay. I want to make sure we keep all the laws. We want our religion just the way that we have it, but we don't want Jesus involved. Look at verse 19 through 23. And I've broken it up because John kind of interplays both stories at the same time. Uh, The high priest then asked Jesus, this is right after it says Peter stood with them and warned himself, the scene changes. Verse 19. The high priest then asked Jesus of his his disciples and of his doctrine. Now this was Annas. Let me explain this to you. If you read the Gospels, you may get confused. John is the only one. Alright, here we go. Annas what? Okay. Annas was a high priest in Israel when the Romans took over, and they booted him out of office, and they put in their own high priest. A lot of it was his family members. So, according to most of the Jews, they thought he should still be the rightful high priest, but the Romans wouldn't let him. So, his son in law was the high priest this year, and it was Titus, right? Okay, so John is the only gospel writer that records that Jesus was taken to Annas first. So what you see here is Jesus in front of Annas, and and, God, and John skips over Caiaphas. He tells us that he was brought to Caiaphas, but you know, you've seen, the, read those in the gospel where uh, Jesus said, I am the Son of Man, and you'll see me coming on the clouds, sitting on the throne of power, and you know, all that happened at the trial. What's going on at the trial with Caiaphas? But what's going on here is everything that's happening is illegal under Jewish law. You're not allowed to try anyone at night. You had to do it in the daytime. You're not allowed to bring charges against the accused unless there are witnesses ready to bring those charges. You're not allowed to. You know, there were lots of different rules about how you would bring a trial against a person. You can't condemn somebody without two or three witnesses. You can't do it at night. You have to do it in front of the whole Sanhedrin. So everything that's going on here is illegal by Jewish law. They're not allowed to bring him. They snuck him into Annas first. And Annas by himself questions Jesus And what I think, this is my opinion, but what I'm thinking is they're wanting Jesus gone. And so before we put him out in public in front of all the Sanhedrin and all the Jews and all these people that have gathered, I want to talk to him first and I want to see what he's going to say. I want to try to, you know, I want to try to see what, you know, so I can make plans as to how we need to proceed. They didn't just go dump him off in public. Like pre trial Yeah, like, he was, he was, Annas was going to feel out the situation. He was going to see what, maybe what Jesus would say, and then they were going to take him into the public trial in front of Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. And so that was highly illegal. He was not allowed to do that. And so, that's what's going on here, So it says the high priest is talking about who the Jews considered to be the the real high priest, Annas, asked Jesus of his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whether the Jews always resort. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me. And I have said unto them, behold, they know what I said. Now what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing out that, hey, all this is illegal. You're not allowed to ask me all this stuff in secret. You're supposed to be calling witnesses. There's supposed to be witnesses here that are accusing me. Uh, There's supposed to be jury. Uh, we wouldn't, they wouldn't call it a jury, but we would. Uh, it's supposed to be the council gathered. It's supposed to be the people gathered. He says, why are you asking me? He said, this is is not the way this is supposed to work. All this is illegal. You're supposed to call witnesses. And then what happens? He says, he gets slapped in the face. It says, verse 22 says, And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so. And then Jesus points out that this was illegal. He says, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? And then in verse 24, it says... And Annas had him sent bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. And so that's all he speaks of Caiaphas. So the whole time that Annas is trying to get information out of Jesus, Jesus was pointing out, hey, you're not allowed to be doing this. You're supposed to be calling witnesses. And the witnesses are supposed to be bringing accusation. They're supposed to be doing it in public, in front of all these. And then so get the him shut up, pow, smacks him upside the head. And then even after he smacks him, he says testify as to the evil that I say it. You know, even after he does that, he said, you got to bring witnesses to say that I've done something wrong. So he gets no information out of Jesus. So Annas just ships him off and says, you know, "Take take him to Caiaphas. Then the story goes back to uh, to Peter, and we've already read those things. But what I want to show you before we talk about that's Annas and these Jewish leaders, uh, in verse 28 it says, it says, uh, I'm just gonna read them to 32. It says they led Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. That's the praetorium, that's the, the the it's like a Roman I want to say palace, but it really wasn't a palace. It was like a... It's where where the government was done. Uh, Pontius Pilate stayed in Caesarea, but because this was a feast week, he would come and he would stay at this place, and that's where he administered his justice and his judgments and all those things. It was early. It was early in the morning. They themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they may eat the Passover. Now, think about this. Annas was willing to... Completely go against the law to question Jesus the way he did. And the Jews here are worried about being defiled before the, because of the Passover week. If they went into a Gentile residence, they were defiled and couldn't eat the Passover. This was a high feast, so the Passover was the whole week. And so they were more interested at the time they were seeking to murder a man for no reason they were still trying to keep their religious ordinances and their cleanliness laws. I mean, doesn't that seem kind of seem kind of backwards to me? I don't know. What do you think? You think, I'm going to engage in murder, in blasphemy, and in lying, but I want to make sure I keep the religious ordinances. I don't want to go into the, they delivered this innocent man over to be murdered, to be killed. Yeah, but they did that in private. This was going to be... Well yeah, they brought this was a whole crowd coming to the Roman coming I to mean, that's the why. It was real show. Living one way and public and another way in private. Yeah, and so what you have is you got Peter, he's just unprepared. He's trying to follow Christ in his own strength, his own power. And you got these Jewish leaders who I want my religion the way I want my religion and it don't really matter about all this I just want Jesus gone. Just get Jesus out of the way, and we'll do whatever it takes to get Jesus out of the way. But don't mess with my religion, because we got to eat the Passover. Let's hurt and get this murder done, so we can go back and worship God. See, so, I mean, that make sense. That's kind of that's kind of the way it was going. So Pilate went out to them, and uh, uh, Pilate is an interesting figure. Uh, there's a lot of history about Pilate. He was brutal. He was cruel. <clears throat> he was a coward. Um, but in this in, in the Bible here, it makes him kind of seem like he's almost a good guy, doesn't he? Because he he's trying to reasonable. let, he, huh? He seems more reasonable. He seems reasonable. He's trying to let Jesus go. Poor Pilate, you know. No, I don't. Yeah, I know you don't, clear. but I'm just saying. He's, that. He's, he's, he doesn't seem to have a dog in the fight. Right. Well, the reason that is, Pilate hated the Jews. He hated, and they hated him. And the reason why you see him. Trying to trying to negotiate Jesus's release is, of course, he did know for a fact that Jesus was innocent, and he says as much. But in the history, Pilate was uh, put in place as the governor of Judea, which was a, a really sorry position to be. It wasn't a choice in the Roman Empire. He was put in position by Tiberius Caesar, and. Immediately after he took control, there were problems. He brought Caesar's image into the city, and the Jews did like a thousand-man sit-down right in front of his front of his house it wouldn't move and he came out and threatened them and you know it was just like riots and stuff going on and then then uh, you know they would send word back to caesar that the jews were rebelling and they were rioting and Pilate couldn't keep it under control and then that got all settled and then Pilate would bring the the symbols of the roman the roman guard and the roman empire back into jerusalem and he would do you know he he took money out of the temple treasury to make coins with pagan symbols on them and the jews would riot and they would revolt. So it came to the point where after about three or four of these, five or six of these things, how many ever there were, Caesar sent word to Pilate and says, look, if the Jews revolt again, I'm going to yank you out of there and I'm going to bring you back to Rome and offer you head." You know what I mean? So in the midst of all this, Pilate wasn't just trying to be nice or trying to do the right thing. He was just out to save his own skin. He was like, I know that Jesus is innocent and boy, I really want to let him go, but I can't have these people up in arms. I can't have them rioting. I can't have no insurrection going on here because if that happens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my head chopped off. And so that's what's going on. He said, Pilate went out to, to them and he said, what accusation bring ye against this man? I'm sure he was, I mean, it's early in the morning. What do y'all want? What do y'all want with me? Why are y'all bringing this dude up here? And they answered him. It's kind of smart aleck He said, "If he were not a malefactor, an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you." It's kind of smart alecky, don't you think? He's like, "Well, they wanted they wanted Pilate just to rubber stamp their execution and take him off and kill him. They didn't want to have to have a trial. They didn't want to have to do all." They said, "We've already got. He's guilty. Just take him and go kill him." But Pilate wasn't playing ball with him. He says. You take him yourself and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, it's not lawful for us to put any man to death. Then they, that, the, the, that the saying of Jesus may be fulfilled which he spoke signifying what death he should die. It says that because hundreds of years earlier it was prophesied that he would die by crucifixion. The Jews didn't crucify people. But the Romans were very good at crucifying people. That was their, that was the most you know, humiliating and awful way to execute people. So he had to have been turned over to the Romans, and so so he was. The Jews they did have a law in Deuteronomy and Leviticus that allowed them to kill, you know, to allow them to execute people, criminals. Uh, but when the Romans moved in, they took all that away. They said, "You're not allowed. You have to bring all capital cases to us and let us deal with it," because they didn't want the Jews taking somebody off and killing them by themselves. So. Uh, was just out to save his own skin. He has this interchange with him. Uh, he says, Then Pilate entered the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And this is really interesting when Jesus talks to Pilate. Jesus answered him saying, Sayest thou this thing of thyself or did others tell it thee of me? He's saying, He's saying, are you asking me for you? Or are you just saying that because somebody else told you? Why would Jesus answer him that way? The charge was that it tells us in the other Gospels that Jesus said he was king of the Jews. Claims to be the king. And if he's a king, we can't have that because there ain't but one king, that Caesar. And so if any kind of insurrection, any kind of revolt, any kind of anything like that, the Romans come down like white on rice. They would come down and they would... Get rid of it. Why do you think Jesus said, are you asking because you're asking, or are you asking because somebody told you Because I'm the he's kind of to know if Pilate had followed any of his teachings or if he was even interested in the stories that had been told, and did he believe them? Yeah, I think that's right. I think Pilate is questioning Jesus, and then Jesus turns around and puts Pilate on trial and says, are you asking me for you, or are you... You know, and of course, kind of digging in his heart. yeah. And of course, Pilate says, "I don't care. I don't care about none of this stuff." He says, "Am I a Jew?" He says, "Am I a Jew?" Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? He's saying, "What about this charge? The charge was that he was king." And Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world." He said, "If my kingdom were of this world," Then then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. And then Pilate said, Art thou king then? He's asking him. He's trying to get it out of him. And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king. To this end I was born, and for this I came into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth... Heareth my voice. So he's asking, Jesus, are you some kind of insurrection leader? Are you a king, this military guy that they're saying that you're trying to overthrow Caesar and all this? And Jesus says, My kingdom's not of this world. He says, If it was, then my service would be fighting. Remember, Peter tried to fight. Didn't he? Peter tried to pull a sword, tried to get. That's not the kind of kingdom I'm bringing, Peter. And so Pilate is all all he's thinking about is, is this man a threat to the Roman Empire? Is he a threat to my authority? And Jesus says, My kingdom's not of this world. He said, I'm here. The reason I was born, the reason why I've come is to bear witness to the truth. And so Pilate's like, oh, this is like some philosopher king. This is some kind of, this is some kind of, you know, he's like some rabbi, teacher, guru guy, you know. And so Pilate basically questions him. He says, What is truth? And then he walks off. And I always wondered, I always wondered what he was thinking. Because when he says, what is truth? He says that in the next verse, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Pilate said, what is truth? And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to him, I find no fault in him. Uh, it's almost like he's mocking that he's the king that has come to bring the truth. And those who hear the truth hear my voice. Uh, it's almost like he's, he's mocking that he is a philosopher king. He is a teacher king. He is a, a guy who's just come to bring new ideas. You know, my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate says, what is true. You know, and just it, it Pilots back into that Greek philosophy. You know, I had, I had a philosophy class in college and the whole semester was what is true. You know, what's true is true, and what's beautiful. And and I'm sitting in class going, this is the dumbest class I've ever been in. I mean, in philosophy, you can talk for 45 minutes and say absolutely nothing about nothing. And so that's what Pilate thought was going on here. And Pilate's like, this guy's not doing anything wrong. He's just, I mean, he's just bringing ideas that they don't like. So he walks out and he says, I find no fault in him. And then here's where we end. It says, uh... But you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you king of the Jews? They cried all again saying, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The other other gospels tells us us that Barabbas was also a murderer and he was an insurrection leader. He was, one of, he was one of these guys who were saying, overthrow the Romans, let's get together and revolt, let's go fight. And he had obviously killed somebody in the process of doing this, and so the Romans put him in jail. So I want you to think, this is the fourth guy, and the last guy we'll talk about is Barabbas. Think about this guy. This guy was in the, the name of the fortress there in Jerusalem that was built. It's called Antonia. they named it after Mark Antony. And not the Jews, but the Romans. And so this guy's sitting in this fortress, waiting to be executed, right? Barabbas. He has done murdered somebody, stolen stuff. He had done tried to lead an insurrection. He done try You know, he was he was the kind of Messiah, quote unquote, that the Jews had wanted from the beginning. And he's sitting there, and all he hears in this fortress is yelling. He hears yelling and crowds, and he hears. And then all of a sudden, here comes. Roman soldiers' footsteps down the hallway. What's he thinking? Time. My time's has come. They're coming to get me, and I'm going to die. And they bring him out, and when, they, when he sees the crowd, they're all yelling and screaming, and he don't know what's going on. And there's this guy, Jesus, that's that's uh, by this time already beaten and bloodied. And, you know, John leaves a lot of that out, too. Uh, beaten and bloodied, standing there. What's he thinking now? He's still thinking... Me and him are going to die. And then all of a sudden, Pilate says, who do you want me to free? And they say, Barabbas. Now, I'm a murderer. I'm an insurrectionist. I'm a robber. I have revolted against the Roman Empire, revolted against Caesar. I mean, this was not tolerated at all. And then all of a sudden, they bring me out on stage. I say stage. They bring me out in front of this crowd and this king of the jews here so to speak takes my place and they take him to die instead of me and now all of a sudden for a moment i was sitting in jail i thought they were they were coming to get me i knew that this was my last day on earth and i wasn't going to breathe another breath wasn't going to see another sunrise and i was going to be dead before the day has dawned and now all of a sudden i'm a free man. what does that sound like to you Sound like salvation, doesn't it? Now, I don't know if Barabbas was saved. I don't know if he followed Christ. You know, there's no indication that he ever changed his ways or, you know, there's no indication of that. I'm just talking about this man thought, I'm dead. And all of a sudden, because Jesus took his place, he was alive again. So you got these four kind of people. You got Peter. Who was just unprepared? He was probably, he he probably had all good intentions. He probably really wanted, I'm sure that he really wanted to follow Christ, really wanted to serve Christ. He just was trying to do it in his own power, in his own strength. He wasn't he wasn't seeking after God's power. He wasn't trying to to get strength from God. He didn't recognize his own weaknesses. He didn't recognize his own failings, and he thought, you know, I can just do this. I'm going to do it. If anybody's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And he ended up failing miserably. And then you got the Jews who all they wanted was their religion. You keep as long as I'm doing good, as long as I'm doing following the rules, all this other's fine. I don't need Jesus messing up my life. I don't need him coming and telling me how awful I am and all this kind of stuff. You just keep our religion intact. We'll make sure that we don't defile ourselves while we're murdering this guy. You know, but we, we just want our religion. Then you got Pilate, who I just want everything to turn out fine for me. You know, I don't care. The guy's really innocent, and we know that he's innocent, but if it means y'all not revolting, and y'all not causing me trouble, I'll send him to the cross. Whatever. I bring the water basin out there so look, I wash my hands. It's all on y'all. I'm not going to have nothing, nothing to do with it. He just wanted stuff to work out for him. He just didn't want to have he rather than have god uh rather than to be right before god he was worried about being right before men and he was warned In luke i think it's either matthew or luke his wife comes out and says please don't have nothing to do with this guy i done had a dream that that you know these guys innocent and just don't have anything to do with killing him but Pilate could not let go of if these guys run back and tell caesar i'm done And so he he just wiped his hands of the whole thing. He said, no, forget it. Just let it happen. Whatever. As long as it don't cause me no trouble. And then you got Barabbas who understood, at least in some part, that Jesus took my place. Jesus, now he may not have been a saved man. He may not have turned into a disciple. He may, you know, whatever. But he understood that day that I was on my way to death and Jesus took my place. And so can you see yourself in in those four? Sometimes I see myself, uh, I just want it to work out for me. You know, as long as it works out for me, I really don't care. You know, whatever, you do you, I'm going to do me, it's all good. And then sometimes I see... You know, I start thinking that my religion is my, you know, keeping the rules and following the practices is, you know, it, it, it's kind of making me, you know, as long as I do this, at least I'm a Christian. I, you know, I know I got all this other going on, but I, you know, I really don't want Jesus to mess up my routine. I don't want him to mess up my life. And I sure see myself like Peter uh, a lot of times just trying to do things of my own strength. Uh, this morning, I'm just talking. Y'all want to say anything? y'all see anything no this morning I talked my biggest temptation is because I study I my Bible every day and I, I love doing it. I love, But my biggest temptation is forsaking my personal time with God because I'm getting lessons together. You know what I mean? Like trying to, you know, all those things. So you may say, well, you're a preacher and Brother Eddie's a preacher and y'all got plenty of time to just sit around and study the Bible. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. I gotta go to work and I get a home, you know. It... It's the same the same for me. If I, I could spend all day getting sermons together and lessons together but still um not have my own personal time with God, where He speaks to me, I speak to Him, and I cast my cares upon him, and I, uh, He speaks to me through his word, and it's not just about getting point one point two point three and let's learn this lesson and all that I can do. I can put four sermons together in a day and still not and still not have my own personal you know being fed from God time. And still forsake it just like anybody else. Does that makes sense? you all with me? Okay. Anything you all want to add? Any questions? Comments? No? So you just... Nothing? Are you trying to break this up? Yeah. Explain the scripture verse that talks about <laughs> if you did not and I'll deny you from my father, well, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, though. If you, I, well, well I mean. what I mean to say is, what's the issue that you think?